we're going to do it in a slightly different order. I want to speak a little bit before we actually take the refuges and precepts. So, Vesak is the biggest day on the Buddhist calendar. It's said to be the day of uh, celebration of the Buddha's birth, that over 2,500, almost 2,600 years ago now, that his mother gave birth to him in a garden in the Himalayan foothills. She was actually en route to her parents' house and gave birth under a tree. And then uh, some 35 years later, maybe it was 36, uh, the Buddha awakened that night under the Bodhi tree where you know he had left home at the age of 29 and uh, set off into the homeless life, into the pursuit of that which is beyond birth and death to find the end of suffering. And then um, Vesak also uh, is honoring the Buddha's Parinibbana when at the age of 80 years he put down his body. And um, this happened in a village uh, called Kusanara. It was a place that Ananda had called a mud-walled town and a backwater town. But this is where the Buddha left his body. And so this day is honoring all of these different events. Uh, It's a, a day that is celebrated in Buddhist tradition in different ways, um, In Sri Lanka, they uh, have beautiful paper lanterns and they hold parades and there's lights on all of the houses. You know, it sounds very much like what we do at Christmas time. And then in Tibet, um, they often will celebrate by, for a whole month, doing meritorious deeds, making offerings, prayers, prostrations, um, circumambulating of the holy sites, and just making that extra effort to abandon unwholesome states. And then in Asia, different places in Asia, you often find candlelight processions where offerings are made and chanting is done. And, you know, many people will meditate throughout the night Today actually happens to be technically the full moon, although the full moon appears on the calendar as tomorrow. So tonight we will be honoring Vesak, and then tomorrow lunchtime there'll be a uh, wonderful meal for us. Um, So one of the aspects of, of this day is that we can really celebrate the Buddha and what he realized in his life. It's quite astounding to reflect on the impact of his life. You know, that he lived, you know, quite a long time ago. And that through what he was able to realize in his own mind the end of suffering, and then to be able to help others to do this, 
This was an offering that he made that has stayed with us. It has had strong effect in the world. And, you know, he wasn't realizing what only he could do. We all have the same potential. And he is a reminder of this. He lived a life that embodied both wisdom and compassion. So, in tonight, our Buddhist party, (laughs) as close as we'll get to a party on retreat, um, because on one level, we really are, by our being here, honoring the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha by doing the work that we're doing here. But, you know, to give it some more emphasis tonight, um, so I'll be speaking some about reflecting on the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And then I'd like to share a chant with you that I learned while I was in Burma about the recollection of the qualities and virtues of the Buddha. Um, And we'll also be taking the precepts. And then we'll do just a, a short reflection on our own aspirations and the writing down of that and then making an offering into this beautiful vase, um, making an offering for the welfare and benefit of all beings. So it's really, you know, both first to celebrate, you know, the Buddha, his teachings, uh, what's been offered to us, and then to recommit, to really bring to mind our aspirations of heart and mind. Um, And I know, you know, earlier in my life, I was not a person of ritual at all and often found rituals uncomfortable. And then just through the way life unfolds, there was two rituals that I entered into that just showed me the power where, you know, one really puts one's full energy behind what is doing by way of aspiration. The first was when I got married, and, you know, I just, it was, marriage to me had not seemed like a meaningful event, and yet when I took my marriage vows, (laughs) the ground trembled. (laughs) And then, then the other time was when I ordained, and this too was very unexpected, um, just you know, I think I mentioned a few weeks ago the sense of the inner and outer world being in alignment. And so it just seems valuable to have some bringing together of body, speech, and mind in a way that really honors our deepest commitment. So I thought the place to start was with gratitude. Because when we are in touch with gratitude everything else flows. You know, that there, it's not hard to uh, really honor the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. Um, and, you know, I think that for each of us, if we look back in our own lives, you know, back to the time before we'd heard anything of the Buddha, anything of the teachings, had any inclination of practice, 
and how we may have suffered. Uh, not to mean that we don't suffer now. <laughs> you know, it sometimes might feel even more intense. But certainly there's been a shift in my relationship to that suffering. You know, where, where I just before being completely lost and mystified and no sense of direction and just tossed about by life. And then, you know, through coming in contact with uh, hearing the words of the Buddha, uh, practicing, how just in moments there's been a spaciousness, in moments a flicker of resonance, uh, in moments a touching into a glimpse of the way things are, and how that just shifts our whole relationship to life. It's not uncommon that in the midst of a retreat we will have moments of profound gratitude. I was once on retreat and, you know, some moment of insight, I don't remember in particular what it was around, but I I remember after just sitting there and tears just started to flow, just tears of gratitude for what had come my way in this life, what felt like it had been offered to me. And I'd like to share something that comes from Ajahn Mun, who was a Thai forest master. And this is said to have been what transpired on the night of his complete liberation. This was afterwards. Throughout the remainder of that night, Acharya Mun considered with, with a sense of dismay how pathetically ignorant he had been in the past, being dragged endlessly from one existence to another, like a puppet. He wept as he thought of how he finally came upon a pool of crystal clear, wondrous tasting water. He had reached that sparkling pool of pure dhamma that the Lord Buddha and his Arahant disciples encountered and then proclaimed to the world over 2,500 years ago. Having at long last encountered it himself, he tirelessly paid heartfelt homage, prostrating himself over and over again to the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Should people have seen him then, tears streaming down his face as he prostrated over and over again, surely they would have assumed that this monk was suffering immensely, shedding tears so profusely. They probably would have suspected him of beseeching the guardian spirits, living in all directions to help ease his pain, or else of being on the verge of madness, for his behavior was extremely unusual." In fact, he had just arrived at the truth of the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha with utmost clarity as he epitomized in the maxim, he who sees the Dhamma sees the Tathagata. The Tathagata is how the Buddha referred to himself and thus abides in the presence of the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Acharya Mun was simply engaged in the kind of conduct 
befitting someone who is overwhelmed by a sincere sense of gratitude. It's also said that Ajahn Man had extreme gratitude to the tree that he had sat under. He had extreme gratitude to the people in the local village who filled his alms bowl each day. When there is gratitude, there is a sense of showing appreciation to kindness that has been offered to us. In Pali, the word is kata kata nyuta. Sorry if my pronunciation is not quite right. And kata means what has been done to us or for us, and anuta, the knowing or recognizing. In the Pali um, word, it points to an element of wisdom where we have to be able to recognize that which has been offered to us. And, you know, like when we're a small child and people take care of us, there's no sense of gratitude. We don't recognize, you know, it's it's just life happening. But at some point in our lives, when something comes our way that benefits us, And there's this recognition, this feeling of gratitude. And so in our own lives, as we reflect on the impact that these teachings, this practice have had, it brings about this heartfelt response. It's a natural response. As a way of honoring the Buddha tonight, um, wanting to, first of all, share with you this chant on the recollecting of the qualities of the Buddha. This is uh, a way of strengthening faith, confidence. It's a way of evoking the qualities of the awakened mind. And for me, this chant has a very special place in my heart in that uh, I've spoken over the last couple of weeks about having spent time in Burma as a nun. And uh, one of the things that happened is that when I would venture out into you know, the village or the area around the nunnery that I was staying in, I would walk with the abbess. And you know, she didn't speak much English, uh, just, you know, just enough so we constantly miscommunicated. <laughs> and so, but she desperately wanted to teach me the Dhamma. And so what she did was started chanting one day. And the way she chanted, I got the message that I should repeat after her. And so we would walk through Sagain Hills, which is you know, just such a beautiful place with all these nunneries, monasteries, pagodas. You know, the Irrawaddy River flows nearby. Um, it's very picturesque. And so we would walk 
around these hills. And many times she'd be holding my hand and we'd be chanting this chant as we walked. And as I'd mentioned before, this was quite a difficult time for me. And the chanting of this chant was a time when my heart would truly become lifted. Even if at first it was only because I could remember the words. <laughs> but but the, there, as I reflected on the qualities, um, this became you know, a really a way of gladdening the mind. And so first of all, I'm going to chant it, and then I'm going to go through the meaning of it. And then after I've done that, then we'll chant it together for a few minutes. Arahang sama sambudo, vichacharana sampano sugato, loka vidu anutaro, parisadama sarati, sata deva manusam budo bhagawa. So araham. It implies worthiness and freedom from the forces of greed, hatred, and delusion. Refers to one who has come to the end of suffering. One who has realized or relinquished the forces of greed, hatred, and delusion and is therefore trustworthy. There is nothing that one hides. No secrets. The Buddha's teachings are like an open book, available to all. Because the Buddha realized the end of suffering and is trustworthy. It means that when we practice, we can surrender our hearts to the process because these techniques, these practices have been proven. Samma Sambuddho is one who has attained perfect knowledge by himself. It's harder when there's no guide. Before he was a Buddha, uh, he traveled to the different teachers of his time. He practiced with them. He learned what they had to teach. And yet he realized it was not the end of suffering. And so, he had to find his own way. He did six years of aesthetic practices, were very vigorous, his body became dilapidated, and then one night he sat under the Bodhi tree. That night, he saw things as they are. He had deep understanding into the nature of life. 
And these are words from the Buddha on the night of his enlightenment. Through many a birth in existence I wandered, seeking but not finding the builder of this house. Sorrowful is repeated birth. O house builder, thou art seen. Thou shalt build no houses again. All thy rafters are broken. The ridgepole is shattered. Mind attains the unconditioned. Achieved is the end is the end of every kind of craving. I always love that quote, just the image of seeking but not finding the builder of this house, the rafters of a self-created house, a house built of attachment, aversion, conceit, craving, false views, supported by the ridgepole of ignorance, the root cause of all suffering, and shattering that ridgepole through wisdom, clear seeing, that moment of it crumbling, the demolition of the house, and the unconditioned being realized. And this is our journey. We're on the same journey. Vichacharana Sampano, the Buddha, who was endowed with perfect, clear vision and exemplary conduct. Uh, This can also be kind of translated as being endowed with wisdom and compassion. Wisdom in his being able to see and not being bound by ordinary perception that is encased in the shell of personality. Uh, He's no more attached or bewildered by these five aggregates. Um, And the compassion element being that his life becomes of service to all being. Through wisdom, he sees what is helpful, and through compassion, he teaches to others what is helpful. The Buddha was said to have uh, many supernormal powers, omniscience, which helped them to be a great teacher, divine ear, divine eye, seeing into people's minds. He had uh, physical powers, uh, he was able to recollect past past births. He used all of these supernormal powers in his teaching so that he could you know respond to each being it It was what enabled him to you know reach and touch the hearts of the most wayward people in life um, In his conduct, he was said to have been restrained in word and deed, um, uh, restrained with sense pleasures, moderation in his food and his sleep. He had impeccable conduct, which was uh, supported by mindfulness in whatever he did. He lived with a sense of self-respect and respect for others. And all of this knowledge that he had It's not unique to him. It's not exclusive to him. 
know, the Buddha, what he offered is really what our inheritance is, should we choose to claim it. Sugato means one who has gone well, fared well, into a happy destiny. It's a beauty, excellence, pleasant. And this is the description of the Noble Eightfold Path. It's good in the beginning, it's good in the middle, it's good in the end. Uh, The manner of going is good, it's to an excellent place, it's gone rightly and uh, enunciated rightly. It's a path that is correct, pure, uncurving, direct, and certain. Loka Widu means one who clearly knows the world. He sees it as it is from all its different angles, aspects. Uh, He sees how good karma produces good fruits. Bad karma produces unwholesome fruits. Anuttaro Parisadama Sarati means incomparable, tamer of those tameable, uh, knowing natures of, of people being able to guide. Sata Deva Manusam, teachers of the devas and humans, meaning he had this great flexibility to be able to speak to beings on all different levels, that he was very diverse in his teachings and a great leader. Budo means awake like a lotus in full bloom, one who has shaken off the state of stupor or lethargic samsaric sleep. I like that thought of shaking off the lethargic samsaric sleep. <laughs> Something I could relate to. And he con- convinced others of this possibility. Bhagava, one who breaks the wheel of birth and death, breaks ignorance, craving. One who is exalted beyond compare because of immeasurable merits. So I'd like to spend a few minutes just chanting this together. And as we do so, we can bring to mind these qualities of the Buddha. You know, this is done as a form of deepening one's concentration, where one just keeps returning the mind to these wholesome qualities. Arahamsa Masambudo Vichacharana Sampano Tsugato Loka Vidu Anutaro Purisadama Sarati Sata Deva Manusam Budo Bhagawa Arahamsama Sambudo 
Vicha charana sampano sugato loka vidu anutaro purisadama sarati sata deva manusam budo bhagava araham sama sambudo Vichacharana Sampano Sugato Loka Vidu Anutaro Purisadama Sarati Sata Deva Manusam Budo Bhagava Araham Sama Sambudo Vichacharana Sampano Sugato Loka Vidu Anutaro Purisadama Sarati Sata Deva Manusam Budo Bhagava Araham Sama Sambudo Vichacharana Sampano Sugato Loka Vidu Anutaro Purisadama Sarati Sata Deva Manusam Budo Bhagava Araham Sama Sambudo Vichacharana Sampano Sugato Okawidu Anutaro Purisadama Sarati Sata Deva Manusam Budo Bhagava So tonight, honoring the Buddha and the inspiration of his life and the effect that his life has had on our lives. Also honoring the Dharma, the Dharma being the truth, the lawfulness, the teachings, the practice. The greatest honor to the Dharma is to realize it to see things as they are. And this is what, moment by moment, in our experience, we're looking to. The Dharma gets defined as path, which is a combination of wisdom and skillful means. The wisdom seeing clearly, seeing clearly things as they are, with no delay, no dhamma, here and now, as it is. We don't need endless books to be reminded of, but we need to recognize it. And the skillful means is those techniques that are helpful 
supportive to the strengthening of wisdom. In the events of our lives, to be looking to the nature, the lawfulness, the seeing things as they are. It can mean in moments where we're encountering sickness, old age, death, rather than that sense of, why is this happening to me? It shouldn't be happening to me. There's something wrong here. Recognizing that it's the nature of this body to arise and pass away again. This is what bodies do. It doesn't mean that we don't live taking care of this body, but we can't fight the body in its nature. Can we find peace with this? Honoring the Dharma moment by moment as we bring mindfulness to this very body, this mind, in its unfolding here and now. We find, through this, a refuge in the Dhamma. When the uncertainties of life strike, when things don't go, the way we want them to. Finding the way of practice that we can fall back upon. Finding what helps us to see things in these moments as they are. Tonight, also honoring the Sangha. The Sangha having different means, meanings the First being that of the noble Sangha, all those awakened beings who have walked this path before us, beings like us whom were confused, afraid, not sure how to proceed, and yet were able to awaken out of confusion. I wanted to share just a few enlightenment songs from, I think the ones I picked were all from women in the time of the Buddha. Um, The first is from Muta, who was a daughter in a poor Brahmin family. And she was married to a a hunchback who was also very poor. And it was really an unhappy marriage. And uh, at one point, you know, the unhappiness was very prevalent, and she became inspired to ordain. And so, you know, she struggled in her own life, and her poem points towards the fact that she used those struggles to awaken. So this is her poem. Free, I am free. I am free by means of the three crooked things. Mortar, pestle, and my crooked husband. I am free from birth and death and all that dragged me back. Another enlightenment song from a woman named Dhamma. She was, uh, came from a respected family 
and husband, and she had wanted to ordain earlier in her life, but her husband wouldn't let her, didn't want her to. And so because she lived with respect, she waited until he died. And then I think at that point was quite old. So this is her song. I wandered for alms. I leaned on a stick. My whole body was weak and trembled. Suddenly I fell down and could see clearly the misery of this body, the heart was freed. And then a message from another nun named Tissa. Tissa, practice the practice. Don't let attachments overwhelm you. Free from ties, live in the world without obsessions. Beings just like us, whom have awakened, who help to just inspire that it is possible for us. It's not out of our reach, it's not in the realm of the impossible. And then we also honor the Sangha, the monks and the nuns who have carried these teachings from the time of the Buddha the teachings and the practice. No, it's really, there's a whole lineage. It's like a stepladder going back to the time of the Buddha. I remember, you know, just at one time in my practice, having a sense of just looking down a timeline, you know, of how these teachings have been passed from heart to heart, mind to mind. The Sangha can also be a group of practitioners coming together to hear the teachings and to do this practice. You know, it's where we take a part in this lineage that, and I think this is really important to get a sense of, because the lineage is carried on through present moment. It needs people in present time to realize the Dhamma. And without this, these teachings will pass away. I know that every time one of my own teachers dies, it brings home to me a sense of responsibility, the, the real necessity that we do this work now so that future generations may benefit. One of my teachers described the Sangha as the living stream through which the Dharma comes to us. So, I'd like to take the time now to actually take the refuges and precepts together. And as we do so, to you know, just really see if you can put your full heart behind that. It's really an expression of body, speech, and mind. As we, uh, before we begin, you might sit just imagining that the Buddha is in front of you, 
And he's surrounded by all those whom have awakened. And all those who have followed in his footsteps. And all these beings are here to bear witness to our taking of the refuges and precepts. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Buddhang Saranang Gachami Dhammang Saranang Gachami Sangam Saranang Gachami Dutiyampi Buddhang Saranang Gachami Dutiyampi damang saranang gachami Dutiyampi sangam saranang gachami Tatiyampi budang saranang gachami Tatiyampi damang saranang gachami Tatiyampi Sangam Saranang Gachami Panati Pata Veramini Sikapadang Samadhyami I undertake the training to refrain from killing living beings. Adina Dana Veramini Sikapadang Samadhyami I undertake the training to refrain from taking that which is not given. Abrahmacharya veramini sikapadang samadhyami. I undertake the training to refrain from any kind of intentional sexual activity. Musawada veramini sikapadang samadhyami. I undertake the training to refrain from speaking falsely. Sura Maria Majapamadatana Veramini Sikapadang Samadhyami. I undertake the training to refrain from using intoxicants which cloud the mind and lead to heedlessness. Vikala Bojana. Veramini sikapadang samadhyami. I undertake the training to refrain from eating at an inappropriate time. Nacha gita wadita visuka dasana malaganda vilepana dharana mandana vibhusanatana 
Viramini Sika Padang Samadhyami. I undertake the training to refrain from dancing, singing, music, shows, from the use of garlands, perfumes, cosmetics, ornaments, and adornments. Ucha Sayana Maha Sayana Viramini Sika Padang Samadhyami. I undertake the training to refrain from using high and luxurious seats and beds. Idam me silam magapalanyanasa pachayo hotu. Through my observance of ethical conduct, may I realize the highest peace. So also tonight, spending a few minutes here, reflecting in our own words what our aspiration is. And we might each express it in very different ways. Uh, You know, the aspiration to awaken, enlightenment. Uh, One person once said, you know, I just want to get out of my own way. just to see for yourself. You know, sometimes it seems quite wordless, more of a felt sense. But to call to mind why it is that you do this, what it is that motivates you. So often our motivation is evoked by a sense of compassion, a caring. You know, whether we just hurt so badly we want to alleviate the pain, whether it's we hear the cries and the screams of the world around us. There's a a movement of heart towards wholeness, towards essential goodness, actually, um, just today, read something from the Karmapa. When we practice, we must bring our meditation on compassion to the deepest level possible. We must reflect on the intense suffering of sentient beings in all the realms of samsara, the same beings who are our kind parents of the past, present, and future. Reflecting on our connection to these beings, we must engender a compassion that cannot bear their suffering any longer. This great, unbearable compassion is extremely important. Without it, we might feel a compassionate sensation in our minds from time to time, but this will not bring forth the full power of compassion. Once unbearable compassion takes birth in our hearts, we are immediately compelled to take altruistic action. 
If we were to see someone trapped in a raging fire, we would not postpone our assistance to that person. Similarly, when we witness with unbearable compassion the suffering of all sentient beings, we immediately seek out ways to free them from that suffering. We are unfazed by complications and doubts. Our actions for the benefit of others are effortless and free from doubt. To see if, in our own aspirations, we don't let it be meager from the mind of fear, but really let it be from that place of wishing to alleviate suffering of all beings. So taking a moment to reflect and see if there's words. And if you find those words, what we're going to do is to put them on the little piece of paper that we have and make an offering in this vase. So we'll sit for a few moments in silence. And when you feel to, write down your aspiration, vow, what motivates you, why you're here. And then, um, at you know, after a few minutes, I'll start with the metta chant in which you can all join in. And then as we're chanting the metta chant, you can come up and offer into the vase your aspiration, your vow. So sitting quietly for a few moments, reflecting. And then writing down whatever words are meaningful to you.
while we're chanting the metta chant, coming up and offering your aspiration. Imaya Damanu Dhamma Pati Patiya Burang Pujemi Imaya Damanu Dhamma Pati Patiya Dhammang Pujemi Imaya Dhammanu Dhamma Patipatiya Sangam Pujemi Aham Awero Homi Abhya Pajo Homi Anigo Homi Sukiatanang Pariharami Mama Mata Pitu Acharya Cha Nyati Mita Cha Sabramachari No Cha Awera Hontu Abhya Pacha Hontu Aniga Hontu Sukiyatanang Pariharantu Imasmi Marame Sabe Yogino Awera Hontu Abhya Paja Hontu Aniga Hontu Sukiyatanang Pariharantu Amhakam Araka Dewata Imasmim Vihare Imasmim Awase Imasmim Arame Araka Dewata Awera Hontu Abhya Paja Hontu Aniga Hontu Sukiyatanang Pariharantu Sabe Sata Sabe Pana Sabe Buddha Sabe Winipatika Awera Hontu Abhya Paja Hontu Aniga Hontu Sukiatanang Pariharantu Dukha Muchantu Yatalata Sampatito Mawiga chantu kamasaka idam no 
Punyapakam Sabasatanam Sadu 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 And then we'll just close with the sharing of blessings. Through the goodness that arises from my practice, May my spiritual teachers and guides of great virtue, my mother, my father, and my relatives, the sun and the moon, and all virtuous leaders of the world, may the highest gods and evil forces, celestial beings, Guardian spirits of the earth and the Lord of death, may those who are friendly, indifferent, or hostile, may all beings receive the blessings of my life. May they soon attain the threefold bliss and realize the deathless Through the goodness that arises from my practice and through this act of sharing, may all desires and attachments quickly cease and all harmful states of mind until I realize Nibbana in every kind of birth May I have an upright mind with mindfulness and wisdom, austerity and vigor. May the forces of delusion not take hold, nor weaken my resolve. The Buddha is my excellent refuge. Unsurpassed is the protection of the Dhamma. Solitary Buddha is my noble guide. The Sangha is my supreme support. Through the supreme power of all these, may darkness and delusion be dispelled. So happy Vesak. <laughs> and if you want to celebrate by practicing through the night, you're in the right place. <laughs> Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.